Welcome to Triple Zeros. I'm your host, Josh Buckhalter. Um, we're going to get right to it, man. Busy week of sports, busy day of sports, really. Um, bad week for Chicago fans, so I'm going to probably lead off with that or or get to it. Just know it's going to be a hell of a ride because it was not a pleasant, at least a pleasant Sunday for anybody who uh, follows Chicago sports or anybody who has to write about Chicago sports, such as myself. Um, as always, if you're going to follow me, please do on Twitter at Josh G. Buck, on Facebook, Jukes and Jumps at gmail.com. Of course, the Facebook page at Jukes and Jumps. You're going to read, please do read. Last word on pro football and Pippin ain't easy. Um, we're getting right into it. NFL action. We're going to kick it off, obviously. Talk about the uh, NFL week nine. We are more than halfway beyond the halfway point. Everybody, I believe, has played eight games so far. Yeah, Doug's win week nine. So everybody's played eight games so far. Halfway through the year. Start with the most recent game just because it's still fresh in the memories. Um, the Dallas Cowboys took down the New York Giants 30-18. Continued this, continued on the path of this, the NFC East being uh, a two-team race, which features the Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles, who made their presence felt in Chicago yet again, even though the game took place in Philly. But we'll get to that in a moment. Um, the score was actually kind of misleading. It was 30-18 to 18 until the last minute uh, sack, fumble, return. The Cowboys defense gave them the 37. Not too much to draw from it. The, the Giants are a bad team. They need a lot of help defensively. Uh, Daniel Jones is not there yet. He's very talented. He's much better than I thought he would be, which may not be saying much because I didn't think he'd be good at all. So uh, take that with however you want to. But he's shown that he's the moment not too big for him. And I think that's probably more than anybody would expect with him coming out of Duke. But with the pedigree that he has uh, being by David Cliff, he of the Manning coach, or he of the coaching of the Mannings, however you're supposed to say that. Um, Jones, 63% of the passes completed, 23, 26 of 41, 210 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. He had five sacks, though. And, of course, he had that uh, fumble. He had two fumbles, excuse me. Lost them both. Six rushes for 54 yards. The key thing for the Giants, though, is that the Cowboys bottled up Saquon Barkley. 14 rushes, 28 yards. He had eight catches, uh, or eight targets, excuse me, six catches, 67 yards. So he was getting busy through the air, which is something that I would have expected. The Giants did, or the Cowboys did what they were supposed to do, though, and, and make sure he didn't do much on the ground. Conversely, though, uh, Zeke Elliott got busy. 23-139, average yards of carry. Uh, Dak was 22 of 35, 62, almost 50% completion, 257, three touchdowns and a pick. Uh, Amari went four for eight in a touchdown. Jason Witten had eight catches, 58 yards. Blake Jarwin had a nice grab, uh, 42-yard reception for a touchdown. And Michael Gallup, too, where he kind of skied Spider-Man, froggy splash, body splash type of WWE move into the end zone. It was pretty nice to see. But like I said, there wasn't really too many uh, deductions to be made in this game. The Giants were the better – the Cowboys were the better team, and it showed in the end. Uh, even though that score is a little bit lopsided because of that final recovery for a touchdown. Uh, but – Flashing back to yesterday's games, to Sunday's games, rather. 49ers remain undefeated, taking down the Arizona Cardinals 28-25. to And you see that score? Yes, that is the the uh, final tie. The Cardinals tried to make a hell's ra- rally late, 11 points in the fourth quarter. Jimmy Garoppolo threw four touchdown passes. I talked about this after the game, actually. Um, not too much to take there. The Cardinals are bad. Kenyon Drake was good, 15 rushes, 110 yards, and a tutty. Kyler Murray had two one two touchdowns. I it's just I want to see them this year. Um, I like what the Cardinals are doing. Uh, they're another team. Kyler Murray's another per- player who I didn't think was going to be ready. I didn't think he would be good enough. They didn't have the run game because they didn't have the offensive line, and I didn't see them having the. They definitely didn't have the philosophy of a Seattle where they could go off the defense and then let the running game supplement the defense, and then have the quarterback fill in the gaps, a la Russell Wilson. Um, 
But Kyler's been doing his thing, having a duck and duck most of the season behind a, a terrible offensive line. But the, the Niners, man, keeping it rolling. Emmanuel Sanders has made his presence felt immediately. He had uh, seven catches in 100 yards or nine. Yeah, seven catches, 112 yards in this game and a touchdown. And the last game he had 525, but he had a touchdown as well. I know he's happy to have to change the scenery, go from a losing situation in, the, in Denver to the one uh, in San Fran. Even though Denver has been doing their thing, uh, trying to make a little bit of noise, I guess. It's hard when that team is so, so depleted and so, uh, so without a quarterback. Joe Flacco went on IR. Drew Locke's still not ready. They're starting Brandon Allen, who uh, actually got the win over the Cleveland Browns, which is. Sorry, Cleveland. There's one thing I can say, right? As a Bears covering the Bears, covering the Bulls, they still don't got to cover Cleveland right now because that's that that that's that they didn't get to get to their hype yet. Right? At least the Bears had their hype season last year where they went 12 and 4, made the playoffs and all that. Cleveland didn't even get that far and they've already been kicked back down a couple of pegs. That's rough, man. Baker Mayfield is having a, a horrible, I would say pedestrian. But like again, when you have all the hype they had coming in, it's it's kind of bad right now. Um, he sixty four percent of his passes, two seventy three a touchdown. He was sacked twice. Mitchell twenty carries, sixty five yards. Odell had five catches for eighty seven. It's just Landry Jarvis Landry had thirteen targets, six catches, fifty one yards. That's prime Miami ju- juice right there, man. Oh my goodness, that's it's it's, it's a sad state of affairs in that for that team. Um. They just they just have not been able to deliver on half of the hype that they've had coming into the season. And it's one of those things. It's one of those ones where, like, you can hear the collective naysayers out there just breathing a, a, a collective ha-ha as every law Browns take. It was so bad. Baker Mayfield even shaved off the mustache, his goat and left it to the mustache. And somebody said he, he looked like he came in fourth place in a Gardner Minshew contest. That's, that's pretty tough, man. Um, but for the Broncos, Brandon Allen came in and, and did his thing. Uh, 12 complete, 12, 20, 60% odds. That's not that great. 193. They had two touchdowns. He was seven times. You know how the Broncos are going to do it, though. They got busy on the ground. Uh, Phillip Lindsay had nine rushes, 92 yards, and a touchdown. Noah Fant woke up. Tight end, rookie tight end Noah Fant woke up. Three catches, 115 yards and a touchdown. Cortland Sutton continued his ascendance as a prominent receiver in the league. Five catches, 56 yards and a touchdown. The Broncos, not a team. That's not what we're here to talk about, though. Uh, I don't think that's what anybody's going to it's going to mistake them as. But they're now two and six. Or I'm sorry, that's the Cleveland record. Because I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here trying to figure out how I got that uh, off of jangled up. The Cleveland Browns fall to two and six. The Browns, the Broncos are now three and six. That's better. I was going to say, hold on. Now. I don't remember Denver taking the bye week. The yeah, Broncos still three and six. Again, they're having they have issues with their quarterback. Vic Fangio's going through a transition there at that position. But with that team overall, anyway, they, they are, were rumored to be trading or in the market to trade away Chris Harris. On Miller's name popped up a couple times. Ultimately, they only dealt uh, Emmanuel Sanders to the San Francisco 49ers. But that's rough. I, I know I'm I, I, the the bar down at the bottom says the 49ers, and I start talking about the Broncos. But I I couldn't help but mention how bad this Cleveland season has gone, and how as a person who covers Bears, sometimes the only elation you can have, the only reprieve you get, is in the suffering of others. So misery loves company. Hey Cleveland, look at us, like the Paul Rudd gif. Look at us, just look at us. Um, <laughs> the Chiefs. Took down the Vikings. Now, normally that wouldn't be notable because, you know, 
Kansas City Chiefs quarterback by MVP Patrick Mahomes, you would expect them to be able to take down the Minnesota Vikings, who, for all of the fanfare around them, are really not that great of a team. Um, anytime you get owned by the Chicago Bears, and now I know I'm at a point where I'm ragging on the home team here, but it's kind of that's kind of where we are in this city right now. But anytime you you get owned by the Bears, you're probably not as great at, as you might want to seem. That would, probably doesn't make much sense, but you follow me. What makes it notable, especially though, was that Kansas City was without starting quarterback Patrick Mahomes. He ended up, he's out with that dislocated cap. He should be back next week. But they lost, they won the game on the final field goal at the end of the game, which is fitting because, as we all know, in the NFC North uh, region anyway, the Vikings have had really three out of the four teams have had issues, but the Vikings have had issues with kick. To lose on a field missed one, but to lose on a field goal is fitting. Uh, Matt Moore for the Kansas City Chiefs has just been doing just enough to keep the job, to keep the seat warm for Patrick Mahomes and keep him in contention. He was 25 of 35, 275, and a touchdown. He was sacked five times. Vikings is still ferocious. But we did get a Damian Williams sighting. I know, right? Of course, he did it on my fantasy bench. But remember, ladies and gentlemen, nobody cares about your fantasy team. This is proof. A man had 12 catch, 12 rushes, 125 yards, and a touchdown. He hasn't been heard from since like week two or three. So that was a surprise. Really, what I'm saying is that hurt my feelings because uh, I wish I had put him in and I didn't. Uh, he's been losing a lot of snaps to Katie McCoy, who fumbled a week ago and hasn't really been getting any of the burn that he was getting prior to that. Andy Reid is harsh, man. He is a cold, cold, savage person. I wish he would have told his assistants that. But I digress. I'll get to them in a moment. Um, Tyreek Hill. Six catches, 140 yards, and a touchdown. Sammy Watkins, 763. This brought up some questions over the weekend about Patrick Mahomes being a system quarterback. And I believe it happened actually prior to this game. It happened after the previous one under Matt Moore. That is the silliest thing I've ever heard in my life. Nobody's going to watch what the Matt Moore Chiefs do and confuse that with what they do with Patrick Mahomes under center. I know that the system looks great, but that just shows you how great of a team it is and how we probably shouldn't be basing those assistants that came out of there off of the success that they had with Kansas City. And I digress because I'm talking about Matt Nagy here in Chicago, who I will get to in a moment. It always comes back. I have a lot of ranting to do, as you can tell. Um, blowing through the rest of these, the Miami Dolphins got a win, got off the schneid. I know you did, nobody wanted to be that team that finally gave up that first one, man, but they finally got it done against the lowly, lowly New York Jets who suddenly seemed to be vying for that number one spot themselves. They were, you know, had all the hype and the hope. Le'Veon Bell signing. Um, they had that that tougher than expected, tougher than average defense, uh, headlined by Jamal Adams, the, the Williams wall, the new Williams wall, Quinnen and uh, Leonard down there. Ended up trading Leonard to the Giants in the first between the two organizations. Isn't that weird? All that time. But more importantly, they tried to trade Jamal Adams, and he did not take to that too kindly. Um, the reports are that he talked with the owner, but has not talked to the GM or the head coach yet. But when you hear what their price was, because of the talk was that they were in talks with the Dallas Cowboys to get the deal done. But the talk was that they want two first rounders and like Zach Martin and Tyron Smith, some exorbitant asking price that clearly was never going to be met, which kind of leads you to believe like he could be had, but you're going to have to knock our socks off with. So I, I, I feel where Jamal is coming from with being upset about it, but hey, it's a business. So you never should probably, you should never get mad, especially if they were going to get you to a team that's contending. Don't, don't get upset about that. But more importantly, they were asking for heaven and earth to get you. So something that we know that they weren't going to get. Now, we were all surprised when the Rams were 
uh, forked over two first rounds to the Jaguars for Jalen Ramsey. But I don't think anybody sees any deal for any player really getting done with for two first rounders and uh, a starting right guard and a starting left tackle. We're not doing Herschel Walker deal anymore in the NFL. I, at least I don't believe so. If they do, color surprise. But as of right now, it didn't shock that they didn't get it. But I was, again, I was on his side initially hardcore. Like, yeah, man, what are you doing? That's a tripping. You need to make sure they stockpile this young talent. I wish he was a bear when they when he came out in the draft. The draft they ended up taking Mitch Trubisky in. <clears throat> but you kind of got to understand what they were asking for. I think that should soften it a little bit. Maybe not. You know, I'm speaking from the outside looking in. I can't speak to that, I guess, hurt. Um, but at one and seven, I'm pretty sure that he would much rather be five and three with the Cowboys right now. I'm just saying. Um, but that price, they're never gonna match that price. So he could probably just let it go. Again, the story though is that the Miami Dolphins got a win under uh Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzmagic is back under center in the NFL. I wonder how long this is gonna last. And really, I wonder because the Jet the Dolphins are supposed to be trying to lose. They're supposed to be fighting for the number one spot, and now they have to uh, contend with the one and seven Jets. I'm not sure what they what the end game here was. I mean, I guess it was just the movable force versus the stoppable object or the, you know, stoppable, whatever. The, how are you supposed to say that when you mean it in the most negative ways? But both teams, one and seven right now. And I just, the Jets, man, that, first of all, Adam Gase hiring was probably a big mistake. I don't know what we saw from him in Miami that would make him a viable candidate so fresh off of that disaster. Also, he might still be working for Miami because I don't know why they would allow a win. I don't care who it is. I know that the Jets aren't good, but they should be better than the Miami Dolphins who have actively traded away good players to become bad. Just saying. Um, they did lose Preston Williams to a knee injury. The Miami Dolphins did. He had five for 72 two touchdowns. He has been their lead receiver throughout the season. Uh, and Mark, Mark Wall will be suspended. So the Dolphins will be bad again. So they'll probably have that that, that – uh, Inside track on the top spot, but the Jets, man, the Jets. Rumor they were going to try to trade Le'Veon Bell. The Steelers poked around for Le'Veon Bell. That's funny. That's funny. I kind of wish it would have happened just because it would have been like the Thanos. You know, look where that brought you right back to me. Not too much to speak of. They also tried to trade Robbie Anderson. He only had two catches for 33 yards. I kind of wanted him to end up in Chicago because I have ideas of how that offense would look with two tall receivers, especially one who could stretch the field, such as Robbie Anderson. I'm not you alone in the thought process of putting two bigs out, two big receivers out there, but I think Robbie Anderson and Allen Robinson combo would have been something nasty to both on the outside. Uh, moving on, the Colts did fall to the Pittsburgh Steelers 26-24. Uh, Mason Rudolph, by the way, for the Steelers, has done admirable, an admirable job filling in for Ben Roethlisberger uh, this year. He, this game, Completed 74.3% passes, only 191 yards, one touchdown, one pick, and one sack. The Steelers, though, without James Conner, got it done on the ground with Trey, Tremaine Edmonds. Trey Edmonds, I always say his name. It's the wrong one. Linebacker. But this is a running back, Trey Edmonds, uh, 12 rushes, 73 yards. Jalen Samuels had eight. He's not very good on the ground without the complimentary running of Ron Conner, or, or at least in this game. Maybe they were keyed in the stop, but he did catch 13 balls for 73 yards. So, uh, they get it done. That's what I admire about the student organization. No matter what happens, they seem to find a way to get wins, to get things accomplished. Um, again, that's admirable. But the focus should be on the uh, Indianapolis Colts who lost to Cobra Set. He attempted five passes before going out of the game and being replaced by Brian Hoyer, who completed 65% of me here is that they've lost uh, Jacoby Brissett to a knee sprain. 
depending on how long he's out, that could be something that's pivotal for them. I actually have been talking about them for a couple of weeks now because they were leading the AFC South. They recently fell to the Texans, and now they're playing here. So, you, you know, that's kind of uh, where it goes. But it's a story that I've been I've been liking to see because of the fact that they've been – they came into this with high hopes. Andrew Luck retires on them in the beginning – in the preseason – and the Cooper set kind of just gets thrust in there. And it was like, oh, he's just a bridge guy until they get their guys are going to tank this year. And all that they've done since is win a lot of games, win most of their games. I know it's not a lot. It's only been eight and they're five and three. But they won most of their games. And he's earned a contract extension. And he's playing like a quarterback who's not a backup, not a fill-in, not a bridge. Of course, when you come out of the New England system, as we see with Jimmy Garoppolo in uh, San Fran, even when you're back up in New England, it probably means you're a starter in a lot of other cities. We'll move on again. Seahawks outlasted the Buccaneers in an important game for them because they are trying to hold serve in the in the NFC West with the uh, obviously division and NFC leading card. Uh, I want to say the Cardinals. San Francisco 49ers, the Seahawks to seven and two. The Bucks fell to two and six. Um, Russell Wilson is the front runner for MVP. And I, I bring it up for a, a very important point later on, but I just want to make it clear. Right now, he's the front runner for MVP. Uh, final score was 40-34, by the way, in overtime. In overtime. Uh, Russ threw five touchdowns, and I just – the Seahawks are one of those teams where no matter how good you know that they can be because of their quarterback and because of what they are capable of doing, you always feel like the other shoe is going to drop on them. And you almost wish that they didn't rely on Russ so much to make that magic happen. I wish that they had more of an offensive line. They are one of they're one of the, if not the uh, most run heavy teams in the NFL. However, when it comes down to it, all the scoring is done by that man, by by number three, by Russ, Danger Russ, and he's he's so, so incredibly efficient that. It's hard to say they should take the ball out of his hands, but at the same time, you just have to realize that, like, okay, at some point, they are going to need to be able to rely on something else. Now, somebody said that that's that run game, but even still, that brings them towards Russell. Even if you try to build off the run game, it's a play action. And at a key moment, I could see it being a case where Russ is still caught because of the fact that. At best, he can turn around. I don't know. I just I just feel like they've never done enough to protect him. But similar to what I felt about Cam Newton down in Carolina, that they've taken for granted his ability to escape from the and have not protected him well enough because of it. They did get Josh Gordon, claimed him off of waivers, which is something notable, which probably why that's mostly why that's here, because otherwise I'm just ranting and telling you about why Russell Wilson should be uh, MVP. Completing 68% of his passes this year, uh, 2,500 yards, over 2,500 yards, 22 touchdowns, only one interception. Um, Patrick Mahomes was the front, obviously, but he went down in a given way to Russ, who is, again, just incredibly, incredibly efficient. Um, one pick, I, that's that's nasty. That's nasty. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not asked to run a lot, but when he does run, um, he does big things. And notable for the Buccaneers, James Winston did not throw a pick. I just want to put that out there because my boy's Boy, Clint Winston is on the uh, butt of jokes because he can't seem to go a game without giving the ball to the other team, and boom, there you go. Uh, also, Mike Evans, 12, uh, 12 catches for 180 yards and a touchdown. That's back-to-back 12 or double-digit catch games for him. He had 11 uh, the previous week against Tennessee, 998 yards. Mike Evans is waking up, man. Uh, he's He had a slow start. 
Chris Guy was getting all the tick early, but as head coach even pointed out, you know, they were single covering Godwin. Like, so of course that's just where James is going to go. He's not going to force the ball, which is funny because he's he does force the ball a lot. But um, more importantly, it just needs to be noted that Tampa Bay has two top flight wide receivers where most teams probably don't even have one. Uh, but again, Russ by MVP right now as it stands. Well, Russ is the MVP right now. That's a key differentiation as it stands. Five touchdowns took on the Bucks, who have been a feisty team. They're not quite good yet. They're not quite tough yet, but they're feisty. They're going to put up a fight, and they're not going to just lay down for anybody, which I think is a great sign for them because there were plenty of times last year where you couldn't say that uh, at all. Now, we're going to move to the, the Sunday night game in the moment that I just have to, to – I don't want to say beam on, but I do want to say that I am happy to say the Rays down the pass. This has nothing to do with Patriot hate. I'm actually uh, – ambivalent towards the Patriots. I don't really care. I, I'm, I'm kind of numb to what they've done. Um, they're a very successful organization. That's not to say that anything uh, uh, to the contrary in that regard. However, this is a, a excuse me to go ahead and uh, drop that, that uh, egregious, <laughs> egregious plug of Lamar Jackson, Lamar Demetrius Jackson for MVP. I know, I know. Everybody's going to say, what? You're crazy. You just said Russ the MVP, and he probably agreed with that. 2,500 yards, 22 touchdowns, one pick. That's fine. That's all good. And Lamar does not have anything comparable to Russ as far as uh, passing yards or really the efficiency, even though he's been uh, incredibly efficient in his own right. He's just not Russ in that regard. But he's still completing 64% of his passes. He has 1,800 yards, 12 touchdowns, five picks. Obviously, the turnovers are hurting him there. However, how – Ever, <laughs> he also has 637 yards on the ground. Look, you can complain about how he's getting it done. The fact of the matter is, he's getting it done. And I know Russ is still the MVP for most people, but I will beat the Lamar drum until it's it's dead and gone. The the award handed over to Russ. Russ, you my dog. I I, I would be nothing but happy for him to get it. But I am going to chant on this one because I feel like the the amount of scrutiny the young man was under Lamar Jackson, Russ knows about it, but the amount of scrutiny that Lamar Jackson was under for not being a polished pocket passer as a rookie was ridiculous compared to what everyone else in that draft class expectations were. And to see how things turned out now, the advances he's made to the lack thereof and those other guys speaks volumes to both his hard work, the head coaching job of John Harbaugh and the staff there in Baltimore. But more importantly, it shows to how little – uh, the talking heads know when trying to evaluate a talent. I, I get sick and tired of hearing them say, oh, well, you can't stand in the pocket and do it. Look, then figure out a way for me to do it this way because this is what I play and this is how I play it. And if you can't figure it out, that probably says more about you than as a coach than it does about the player. That's just the way I've always felt. I know most people probably don't agree with that. They they Running quarterbacks don't last just in the third. But I've always had an issue with how running quarterbacks were treated, mostly because they shouldn't have gotten to the NFL as being solely running quarterbacks. I feel like coaches get a hold of those kind of players in college and high school and beat that to death and don't help them advance in other aspects of, the, of playing the position. And that's why you see some of the lack of efficiency uh, and of effectiveness from these guys as standard pocket passers. That's just my insight on it. Um, went a little bit out of order. I did the money in this game, obviously, first because I wanted to break that down last before I switched topics to the NBA real quick. Uh, bad news bears. Listen. We are beyond the point with the Chicago Bears of trying to break down what's going on with them each and every game. We are now at the point where we are 
identifying whole issues in terms of what's wrong with this team as a team, not just last week, and how do we correct it going forward? And I wrote for last word on pro football that we are at the point now where the dud is officially on Ryan Pace. Um, we want to blame Mitch Trubisky at first for not being an accurate pass, for not being, uh, for not progressing in his abilities in his third season, second year with Matt Nagy. We wanted to criticize Matt Nagy, and still, and rightfully so. Both of these are, are also rightful. Don't get me wrong. There, uh, we criticize Matt Nagy for not committing to the running game and seemingly not trusting his quarterback and basically having odd game management uh, scenarios where it just calling fancy plays at the most inopportune moments. Well, since we've worn both of those things out, we've beaten those horses beyond that. It's time to move on now and go above it. We kind of have to land on Ryan Pace. Um, the general manager of Chicago Bears, who for all of the good things that came about last year, when you look at what has happened in Chicago as a whole, it's much less impressive and it's almost uh, downright depressing, to be honest with you. Because, first of all, he's, he's over his career in first round picks. The jury is still out on Roquan, Roquan Smith, but as we've seen, he's had some issues this year. So, we have to, again, the jury's still out. Um, but his first pick, Ken White, was a bust. Leonard Floyd has not developed anything close to the sack uh, artist that we thought he would be. And he's a, he's a okay all around, player, but he's definitely replacement level, especially when you have somebody like a Khalil back drawing attention from you to you away from you on the other side, you should be able to make a bigger impact in the passing game. He does, but he doesn't. Uh, and then they missed one. And of course you got Mitchell Trubisky. Um, and then we're going to go into what they did go up and get him. But I want to point out, and I wrote this in the article and for last word on pro football about Ryan Pace, Chicago was 29 and 43, including this season, 29 and 43 under Ryan Pace and finished in fourth place in three of the previous four campaigns and are sitting in fourth place right now. When it began, everybody assumed that he was saddled with John Fox and that Fox was in it for the golden parachute, didn't want to work hard. He was just here to collect the check because there was no expectations. Um, then the stories came out of Pace selecting Trubisky and no one not telling anybody. Um, him and, and, and George McCaskey knew long before the draft was going that that's who they were going to end up taking. And they had questions about Mahomes or Watson's knee, Mahomes in the, in the Texas Tech system, which are valid, but I'm not sure that they over that they are more uh, problematic. Than, even then, that they were more problematic than the inexperience of a Mitchell Trubisky, who did start to his senior year, couldn't beat out a non-NFL prospect for the job. Um, and, and, and really – what was telling, I went back when doing some, some digging for the article. There's one that popped up, and Matt Nagy was talking about how, during his introductory press conference, actually, how when he met uh, Mitchell when he got here, he wasn't really thrilled with Mitchell Trubisky upon meeting him at the draft combine. He felt like he was not a leader, was an introvert, a little bit skittish, I guess. But then he said he met him privately and that he was – I don't want to say blown blown away, but he, he won him over in that uh, intimate setting. That to me would have been a red flag, not because he wanted to, he was uh, better or that he was good face to face, but that in that combined situation where he should be wanting to thrive and be the best and show why he's the best. Matt Nagy did not come away getting that sense from him. That would have been my first red flag. Now, clearly at the time, Nagy wasn't here with Ryan Pace, and maybe if Ryan Pace would have had Nagy here, Nagy could have said, hey, look, as a former quarterback myself, regardless of where it happened, as a former quarterback myself, 
these are the things that I would look for in the passer, and they're not things that I see now. Here that he did well in the personal interview when they got him, when they sat him down outside of that, kind of reinforces that because it kind of is what we've seen from him. And I take this back to last year in the Eagles game, which ugh, this was this is where it all started. All this misery for the Chicago Bears kind of started there. That's when that's when the wheels fell off. But I, I wrote about how this is a thing you know they can fix it. They have a talented roster, but because they've settled themselves with this quarterback. They're wasting a window of a defense. Ryan Pace has, has fast-forwarded their timeline over as long as you have your quarterback position settled. He thought he did, so he pulled the trigger on the trade. I think moving forward, though, they have to identify, A, if Nagy is really this rigid or if he is taking a stand against dumbing it down, his offense down, any for a quarterback. I, I brought this up earlier. It kind of feels like Nagy is refusing to do so because he really just wants to show that his offense works uh, even to a fault. And maybe it's because he's already simplified it to an, a point where he it, it's, it's remedial. I'm not in the huddle. I don't know. But I do know that this, whatever, whatever you want to blame this on now, ultimately falls on Ryan Pace. If you want to blame it on Trubisky, that's a Pace decision, obviously. If you want to blame it on Nagy, that's a Pace decision, obviously, as well, because he had a track record, a recent track record of Nagy refusing to run the ball in the playoffs, costing his team a lead, and Andy Reid snatching back play uh, play calling duties from, from Matt Nagy. Now, he said he learned, and last year the Bears were 6th in rushing attempts and 11th in yards. This year they're like 24th and 27th respectively, something like along those lines. They're bad. And we were sold all these things of, of how we've improved in this and that third. Now he just won't commit. But I really – I – and I know I'm alone in this. I'm, I'm well aware because no one wants to you – know, you know, we're, we're, we're at the point of blow it up a lot with a lot of fans in the city. Um, but I feel like – it's almost to the point where he simplified it, and he's like, I, I, there's no more simplifying I can do. We saw Chase Daniel come in cold and, and operate the job, comp, the, the offense competently. We saw him start again, aside from two costly, costly picks, which is why he is a backup quarterback, show you that the offense works. We saw Matt Nagy adapt and throw some, some runs. Game. He even threw some I formation after saying explicitly that they didn't hire him to, to run the I formation. So he's shown that he can adapt when it's necessary. Maybe he only does it when he has to, but he's shown that he can adapt. The one person who we haven't seen any sort of positive signs is Trubisky. And the reason I say that even when his good games, it came against a bad opponent in the Washington Redskins. We've seen that. We've seen him do that. We've seen him be okay to, to even borderline good against mediocre to subpar opponents. But when it's a competitive game or it's a good opponent, he's not that guy. And it, again, I go back to that, that that blurb from Matt Nagy saying that when he saw him in the combine, he seemed kind of an introvert. And when he met him one-on-one, uh, -on -one, it was a different guy and he won him over in that situation. That to me screamed that he's not a guy who's going to step up when things get tight. And that's what you need from a quarterback. That's what you need from a quarterback in Chicago. And that's what you need from a quarterback in Chicago on a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. Um, rant over. That's going to do it for the uh, the NBA portion or the NFL portion. Switching over to the NBA. 
just going to dabble in it real quick just to go over a couple of things that happened tonight because um, it is late, man. But I did want to get this done because I, I just had to get some of these Chicago thoughts off my chest. And so, like I said, running through the NBA stuff before I uh, rant about the Bulls who aren't doing me any favors in terms of keeping grays away or making writing life any easier here in uh, Chicago. And to wrap up for the Bears, we're not even worried about next week. I'll get to it when I talk about after Thursday's uh, after Thursday night football. I will record the next episode and we'll talk about it. But as of right now, it's just kind of just let into the piece of there not being anything happening right now because this is going to be bad if they don't improve. I also feel like they kind of uh, real quick last 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 little uh, quick thought. I feel like they kind of Cody Parkey the quarterback situation. Um, they didn't get Cody Parkey because they or they didn't. Do anything about the kicker last year because they felt like they had made an investment in Cody Parkey and wanted to stick it out and see through because he had kicked some field goals and he had had a Pro Bowl season before and ended up costing them ultimately. And I think they had a chance this season to go all in for quarterback to right the ship. Maybe not not even just for this year, but going for I think again I don't know because I'm not in that that war room that that draft whatever the free the the general manager's office coach's office trying to make these deals happen. But it felt like they had a chance to go in and address the quarterback situation and did not do so with a veteran of Eli Manning. Again, I don't know. But that's just the way it was seen. A week after the trade deadline, and this is what happens. Um, we're not going to break down the numbers. I didn't, I didn't even break down the numbers, really, other than the, the stat that everybody knows from the Bears having uh, nine yards at halftime. At one point, it was about five minutes left. I believe they had negative one yard uh, in passing. It was bad. The debacle, Can't they scored 14 points. Um, and then to 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 cap it all off, Adam Shaheen fumbles the final punt return that would have given twenty five seconds to try to get eight points. Didn't even get a chance. Adam Shaheen has been the biggest way, and I kept I kept for him a little bit too when they drafted him. He was a big guy out of a small college out of Ashland. People were saying a small college guy, he won't be great. And I was you know give him a chance. He's a big guy. They call him Baby Gronk, and the scouts love him. And he's done nothing. He's done nothing, and now that he fumbled that, he's done less than nothing. He's giving the game away. So, uh, you know, to, to quote Mike Singletary, can't win with him, can't play with him, can't coach with him, can't do it. Moving on to the NBA, though, um, just going to run them down real quick. The Brooklyn Nets took down the New Orleans Pelicans 135 to 125. It's key because Kyrie Irving and Brandon Egan went back and forth. Uh, B.I. had 40 points, 5-5. Five and five. Kyrie had 39-9-4. and four. Um, Ingram has shown scoring ability of late. He had seven points a game before, but before that, he had 25, 27, 35, 25, 22. That's going in reverse order. He's showing vers- versatility as a scorer. What he hasn't shown, though, was the ability to share the floor with another dominant scoring type, another superstar scored. Uh, and he will get a chance to do so when Zion Williamson returns from his knee injury. Now, that's significant because a lot of the knock on Brandon Ingram was that he didn't produce when playing next to LeBron, who, as we know, gets a lot of credit for making for elevating the of those around him. Um, Ingram comes over to New Orleans and seems to be doing a lot better without LeBron, but of course he's also doing this without Zion. Now the question is, is it them or is it that is it LeBron or is it that Ingram just can't play with other dominant players? Uh, his game is, is such that it should be able to mesh with anyone, but maybe it'll take a little bit more unselfishness, unselfishness from him. Uh, Kyrie again had 39-9-4 as the Brooklyn Nets ended up winning that game. Uh, I, I don't know. I I, I want to see the, the, the Pelicans as well. They're a young team. They're going to be good defensively, but, again, they're a young team, and I'm not sure how many of those pieces are even there long term. Brandon Ingram was 
like a second option for the for the Pelicans. They wanted Jason Tatum, got Brandon Ingram. Um, he had dealt with the blood clots last year. I, I'm just curious to see how this all plays out. They have a very intriguing team. It's just going to be, like I said, interesting to see how in the end it all shakes out with how many young pieces that they have. They have to find time for all those guys. Um, for Brooklyn, Karis Laverne also had 23 points. Joe Harris poured in 19. Uh, Jared Allen had 18 and 10. And Tim Prince had 12 and 11. Uh, and then Gary Temple had 13 off the bench. Brooklyn is going to be a tough team than people want to give them credit for. I think um, even without Kevin Durant, Kyrie is going to be able to do some damage for them as a scorer, obviously. Um, he'll never probably be a leader, but they can still win games without him being an actual leader in that sense. Uh, but that's, that's what it is. Brooklyn and B.I. Yeah, went at it. That's what I want to talk about for that game, 40 and 39. Also, Sean, that's that's impressive, man. Rockets and Pistons, um, the, the Pistons – Fell to the Washington Wizards 115 to 99. The Rockets actually beat the uh, Memphis Grizzlies tonight 107 100. However, they had uh, previously lost their, their the two games prior to this. And uh, try to pull it up real quick. They lost to the Brooklyn Nets on Friday 160. I'm sorry, on Sunday they lost to the Miami 100 to 129. Got blown out um, by a Miami Heat team that didn't have uh, Jimmy Butler. So, well, he did. Wait, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong game. I apologize. <laughs> the um, the Rockets lost 100 to 129. Jimmy Butler whooped on them. That, that was the major story that Jimmy Butler went off and uh, kind of capped, uh, clapped back at all of his doubters and saying that they they thought that he couldn't play basketball uh, after that game. Jimmy's a dog. He he's just the kind of guy that needs players to uh, to to not believe in him. I guess he had 18, 17, seven to nine. He wasn't scoring great, obviously, but seven rebounds, nine assists. Uh, and he had four steals, and he had a block with only one turnover. Jimmy was putting in work, stuffing the stat sheet again. He wasn't scoring great, but he did what he had to do. Um, and then the Pistons, like I said, they lost uh, to the Wizards tonight. The question is, are these teams more substance or more hype than substance? Um, I was a big fan, mostly of the Rockets. Um, I am a fan of Derrick Rose on, on the the Detroit Pistons, but I thought that that set up with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond in the front court, and then Rose, and now we see that Luke Bernard is emerging as a consistent uh, scoring threat. They're still lacking on the wing, and I'm just not sure how BG and Rose can stay for an entire season, and then Andre Drummond is still an odd fit because he doesn't space the floor. All he does is rebound, and it kind of clogs the paint for players such as Derrick Rose, and while Griffin has become more perimeter-based as he's gotten a little bit older, he's still a guy who would like to take it inside. Um, his game is that, that versatile, though. It's not really that. And then on the uh, Rockets side, they are sitting right now at 4-3, and three, and Russ has been struggling with his efficiency, as you would expect, while hard poured in 44 tonight. Uh, uh, pedestrian, 44-10-6. He also had six turnovers, though, and that's the thing that we talked about before with uh, – him not having points are great. He doesn't do much defensively. And then when you're turning the ball over at that kind of rate, it's, it's ultimately going to catch up with you. Now, Russ did not play tonight. He had a DMP uh, for some for rest, obviously, but it's probably just to kind of reset his, his efficiency. He had been doing great up until actually that game. He wasn't great against Brooklyn on the first uh, 27 on 12, 25. Before that, he was 7 and 16, 9 and 16, 9 and 17. 17 is not terrific, but he's not taking a, a tremendous volume of shots. I kind of feel like the Rockets are a better team than the Pistons are. However, the Pistons could go farther because of the conference that they're in. So I'm not sure if either team is overrated because it depends on where you have them rated in the first place. But 
for what it's worth, I think that the Pistons are – the Rockets are the better team, but the Pistons will probably go a little bit further in the postseason or make it to the postseason because the Rockets have to continue with so much in the Western Conference. Um, Golden State going through a thing. They just got their second win. Um, they are sitting in the lottery right now, and they'll probably remain there because Steph Curry's out. Draymond's now resting with injuries. Uh, D'Angelo Russell didn't play because he's got some kind of injury going on right now. Um, it's not pretty in the Bay, and they just opened that new stadium. Uh, you, you don't feel bad for them because they had a great run, like a great run that a lot of teams would, would doom and kill to have. Um, Eric Pascal tonight uh, against who did play? against the Portland Trailblazers, who they ended up beating actually 127-118 because – you know, basketball, even though Damian Lillard had 39, Hassan Littide had 22, DJ had 14. The Dubs got 34 and 13 from Eric Pascal, uh, 19, eight from Kai Bowman. They won a game. Portland, Portland. This is why I can't pick Portland to ever make the finals because they do stuff like this. These are the kind of games that you can't have when you're, I know it's early. I know it has nothing to do with the playoffs and all that, blah, blah, blah. But, Regardless, this is the kind of stuff that you can't have happen if you were to be a team. They're sitting right now at three or four, and it's so early they'll probably climb up to fourth, third, uh, before it's all said and done. But my point is just that nights like this, when they wish angels would fall, I point to the fact that this is why they won't be a championship caliber team. But for the Golden State Warriors and the dream scenario, now again they are sitting at precariously uh, horrible in the standings right now, sitting at uh, I believe one and seven. Do I have that number right? Two and five. Wow, I was way off. Two and five. Now, in speaking with a, a, a colleague of mine, he was talking about how ways to fix the Chicago Bulls. And this kind of ties into our next point. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. The the scenario was, and it's a pipe dream, but it's a it's a wonderful scenario. He was before any of this happened, before the goal, this is before the finals even. Uh his his ultimate dream was that the the Warriors would go through some kind of rebuilding process that would result in Steve Kerr leaving and in doing so would spur a change here in, in Chicago that would lead to him being hired on as whatever role he wanted be it simply coach coach general manager coach general manager president whatever the case may be but he was be he would be turned he would have the the, the keys turned over to him and have full run over the franchise and now we see these things playing out where Steph's out. He left, obviously, they were out playing for the whole year. Um, Draymond's banged up, and it's just D'Angelo Russell and a bunch of kids. And you have to wonder how long Steve Kerr is for what's going to be a rebuilding process. Now, he could stick it out and, and get back to contending with the Splash Brothers and a, a newly first-round pick. But he could also look to say, you know what, it's time for a new challenge. And what better challenge than going to – the lowly, woeful, moribund Midwestern franchise known as the Bulls, who are also coincidentally two and five and looking for some direction. We'll get to them in a minute, though. Uh, one last one before you get to that rant, that closing rant on the Chicago Bulls. Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns, as the Phoenix Suns took off, they took out the previously undefeated Philadelphia 76ers, no less. Uh, Devin Booker went for 40. Uh, 114 to 109 was all of that game. Again, Booker went for 40 on them. He got a chance of MVP, and I know that they're winning right now, and he's having a hell of a season. Uh, Adam 26, he's shooting 53, can't hit 3% of his shots. I'm just not sure that we can – MVP? MVP? I guess it starts somewhere, so I'm not going to rag too hard on it, but 
it was just an interesting choice. Um, for the for the Sixers, man, they had some spread out scoring. They had twenty four from Tobias Harris, my boy Cole World, um, thirty two from Al Horford. Ben only had he had Ben was not scoring today. We'll we'll put it that way. If we're gonna put, I guess, try to put it a little bit nice. Um, ben did not have a very good game scoring. He only put up six points. He had five rebounds, six assists, four turnovers, but he had seven steals. Uh, he also had three points. I don't. I don't Ben's a tough one because he's he's kind of like Lonzo Ball in the sense that you can't, if you're looking for points, you're probably looking at it the wrong way. Now, he is capable of getting the triple-double. We know that almost it will. But tonight, the heavy lifting was done by Al Horford, Tobias Harris, and Ferk and Cole Korkmaz. I, that is a fun name to, to butcher, and I know I do, so I, I apologize. But he had 20 points. Um, remember, he hit that dagger after the uh, over the weekend. He had that dagger shot. Uh, who did they play? Was that against the Spurs that he hit that? No, 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 no. They just played because it was a it was a shot that I, I when the first went in against the Grizzlies. That's right. So I, this is they're they're a weird team too. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of parody right now. I guess because it's so early, so it's hard to know who's really good and who's just kind of uh, hanging on and and seemingly. Is is ready to make that next step, but I don't know. One for four, he got MVP. It is what it is. It's early. I'll let him have that. I'm not going to keep on trying to do this. But now, back to the dream scenario and the Golden State Warriors. The reason why that brought is because the Bulls are partying like it's 2018. Woot, woo, oh, oh. They finished 2016, 2018. They're two and five right now. This is not the start that anybody envisioned when they saw how how quickly they were getting to getting after it uh, during the preseason. Now, what's interesting about that was I, I wrote about it again, it ain't easy. And I said that these numbers probably won't sustain that efficiency that, they, that Zach Levine, uh, namely was, was displaying was not going to continue. But what has been odd has been the, the complete collapse of their offensive efficiency efficiency. It's been, it's just gone completely by the wayside and I'm not sure if they're what to do. They they've seen have they don't have any direction. Jim Boylan is good for getting guys motivated, but he's not good for getting guys organized. And that's something that they seem to have been lacking and clearly needing, but they're not they don't have a traditional point guard, so you're not gonna get it there. Um and your coach is really struggling to kind of figure out exactly who he likes on the floor at certain times. And who he doesn't. Um, I've been contending for the most of the season that they need to figure out how to uh, make sure they get Kobe White on the floor late in games instead of Tomas Sadoransky, who's not trying to score when they're down and they need a bucket. I know Sadoransky is a better facilitator, but he can't. He doesn't try to score, so it doesn't make sense to have him be the one that's out there trying to uh, get a bucket down, like taking long range threes and stuff. Kobe hasn't been efficient, but it may be because he needs a little bit more. Co- uh, a little bit more confidence from his head coach, a little bit more of a green light, not completely green. Zach has a green enough light for everybody, especially late in the game. Zach passed the ball sometimes. Stop trying to force up that that shot at the rim and, and draw the foul when they're not giving it to you. Pass. But what's notable about this, this two and five start that they're currently uh, up, up involved in, same thing happened to them last year. Started two and five through this many games, and they ended up firing Fred Hoiberg after about 15 games. So I'm just saying it's it's not looking good. I don't know what to do about them. It was a rough weekend for for rough Sunday for Chicago sports fans, uh, for Chicago sports writers. 
to have to follow up performances that we saw. Bulls lost to the Pacers, and the uh, <laughs> the Bears got embarrassed, no pun intended, by the Philadelphia Eagles, who the 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 that's going to be another year. It's going to be at least another year until we face them again, until we get out of this misery, until they get out of this misery, until uh, we in Chicago get out of it, because it's a funk. When the fans are in a funk, it's hard, because everybody's just telling you to bring it up, and you just hear every other, uh, Trubisky, uh, uh, you know, it's always, it's something. And again, I've, I've kind of finally reached the point where Trubisky, Pace, Trubisky, Nagy, it's above them now. We're at Ryan Pace. Now, the question is, should he get another chance to do so? I think I like to say you move on, but I'm not sure you do much. And maybe he's learned now. We'll have to find out. For as far as the Bulls, I, I'm at point. I, I was one of those who hyped them up for the postseason before the season, and now I'm looking to looking for a pan to cook my uh, crow pie in. But at this point, if it continues like this, I'm going to be open for the gold dream scenario where Kerr leaves and comes here, and we get things cracking again. But I don't know, man. It's looking rough. It's looking rough. I, I had to get those two things off my chest again. Writing, I grew up a Chicago sports fan, period. So you already know how that goes. But covering the team makes it a little bit worse because I can get, I'm not as emotional about it, but I'm a little bit more upset because I'm watching more with the fine tooth comb and seeing these things and seeing how they're so blatantly obvious to me, knowing that they have to be blatantly obvious to the, those on the inside and they're not getting addressed and corrected is, that's tough, man. That's tough. That's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. I'm going to call Juicy Jumpers. That's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Please do follow me on Twitter at Josh E. Buck, uh, on Facebook at Jukes and Jumps. Hit the website, jukesandjumps.wordpress.com. Of course, you can always read my stuff, Last Word Pro Football, Pippin Ain't Easy, and, of course, if you need to email, do so, jukesandjumpers at gmail.com. Until then, until Thursday night, when we record the next one. Peace.